in our most recent meeting with Spotify, they they said that they've seen the biggest impact. If you have a song that's already reacting, like, oh man, it's happening, dump that into discovery mode because it will it will like have a triple effect on more versus other things. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm going to share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're going to show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, I'm excited to be here today with the one and only Rory Felton. So Rory uh, went from running a hobby record label in high school to pioneering digital music marketing. Uh, he co-founded the Militia Group, leading to Sony Music's minority stake acquisition, and um, he continued at a company called Chirpify, where he worked with some top artists and brands. Uh, but in addition to you know working and you know, making a huge impact with music, he's also the managing director of um, Haiti Venture Partners, and they help to invest in clean water, solar energy initiatives. He's created over 100 jobs. Amazing. And specifically, he has a lot of expertise as it relates to uh, music royalties and seeing the path you know, for, for an artist going from you know, 10,000 monthly listeners to a million monthly listeners. It's been recognized by Billboard as uh, Billboard's top 30 executives under 30. And so, uh, yeah, I think you guys are in for a, a treat today. I'm excited to have him on the podcast. So, Rory, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Michael. Oh, yeah. Well, Rory, to start out with, you know, I'd love to uh, hear just a little bit about your story. And you know, if you wanted to introduce yourself, for anyone who hasn't uh, connected with you before, could you share about sure. um, how you, you landed on uh, Billboard's top Man. 30 executives under 30? <laughs> Sure, I'll try to make it short and sweet. Uh, like a lot of a lot of us started making music in high school or actually middle school. Uh, I realized pretty quickly at sixteen that I couldn't really write music, um, so I gave up my dream of being in a punk band and started do, helping all the other bands in my local area, which was Kansas City. I started booking shows and booking all the regional acts at local clubs, having bands sleep in my basement. My parents were awesome. And the next step there was just to start putting out records. And I don't know what that was when I was 16 years old in 1998, but we figured out how to manufacture CDs. We figured out how to call record stores and retailers and manufacturers. And uh, the first record I put out was this band, The Juliana Theory, that went on to Sony Music for a couple records. And their success sort of you know, help me realize, okay, maybe I can make a, a business out of this. And so graduated high school, moved to LA to go to USC to study music industry and got bored my freshman year and started another label called the Militia Group. And we put out a ton of records in the whole pop punk, emo, indie rock scene for about a decade, uh, sold some millions of records. Sony later acquired part of the company and then uh, the major assets of all the company, including Cartel. Uh, and but it was great experience. Uh, I got to sell, got to sell a lot of our records, help a lot of artists grow from nothing to having careers, and learn the whole transition from CDs to Napster to digital downloads to the streaming era. Uh, and it was wonderful. I took a couple of years off, as you said, and did some volunteer work, which was 
a joy to do with my wife when we got married before we had kids uh, and found myself pulled back into the music industry, uh, helping major artists like Gaga, Snoop Dogg, Tim McGraw, Green Day, and major labels do digital campaigns, mainly on social media, driven around commerce. But what I recognize is, you know, there's still so many problems for independent artists in, in this new era of streaming first. Uh, getting all the royalties, uh, making sure they're getting a little bit more, doing everything they need to do around a release. And the services out there weren't really doing everything that I would want, at least not an all-in-one platform. And so that leads me to what we've been up to for the last couple of years, which is called Good Morning Music. And essentially, we're an all-in-one service doing distribution, publishing admin, editorial playlist pitching, film and TV music pitching. Spotify Discovery Mode, YouTube Official Artist Channels, Video Distribution of Evo, all in one service, trying to make artists' lives easier, making sure they're getting all their royalties. And we service thousands of artists, and I love it. Dude, that is amazing. Um, I mean, I love the fact that you you both uh, have been a part of the music industry for basically your whole life from middle school. Um, and you know, part of your journey too has you know, led you to doing volunteer work and then you've kind of like come back into it. It seems like you know, you've had a pretty interesting, um, experience and certainly the, um, the state of the music industry right now around like streaming first and, um, you know, looking for help, you know, without, without necessarily having yeah. like a major record label, um, is a hugely valuable service. One thing I just want to point out too for anyone that's listening to this, this was a fun moment we had uh, backstage before we started. <laughs> Huge fan of uh, Cartel, and um, the fact that you know that you helped them hit their gold record was a full circle moment for me. You know, we recorded my band recorded with Zach and Ken, um, so you did know, you record a, a tree sound? Um, no. What, oh yeah, Jordan Schmidt. Uh, um, the studio Tree Sound Studios. That's where we made that record. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if you recorded that. Um. No, I don't think what we ever recorded there, but I have some con- some some folks who are who have recorded there. But um, cool. yeah, for anyone that's uh, listening to this right now, who maybe they are a little bit overwhelmed by um, the idea of music royalties, and it seems like there's this like whole convoluted system around how do they actually collect their right. the royalties? Could you give them like a quick breakdown? Like how do you how do you make music royalties simple? simple so it's good to remember that like all these rules and laws that exist in the u.s have historical precedents right i'm a little spoiled because my degree is in essentially music law and i've been doing this for too long so uh this is stuff that i get to learn i got to learn in college and most artists got to figure it out through trial and error right um but they all have a history as to why they're there if that makes sense but simply put, in the streaming era or fully digital area that we're in, uh, I think there's really just a few places artists need to be registered to make sure that they're fully covered, right? Mm. Uh, first, your distributor gets your recording royalties, right? Most independent artists own their own recordings, so they get 100% of those royalties paid to them through whatever distribution service they use. Uh, but there's also another recording royalty due, both as a recording artist and a recording owner, that's called a master performance royalty. And it's due from internet radio. In the US, there's one pseudo government entity called Sound Exchange that captures this royalty and pays it out. So every artist has to have 
a distributor and has to be registered with Sound Exchange, both as a recording artist and as a recording owner. Uh, mm-hmm. Even if later in your career you do sign to a record company, you're still owed a royalty as a recording artist uh, from Sound Exchange. So you want to make sure you keep those updated and you keep claiming all your recordings in that system. Mm. But then there's the whole bucket of royalties that are due artists as songwriters. And the biggest uh, misnomer that I, I, I see speaking with artists every day is they think that, oh, I'm registered with the PRO. They got all my royalties. And that, unfortunately, in the U.S. is not the case. So to get all your royalties as a songwriter, you need to be registered with a PRO like ASCAP or BMI. And they collect what's called performance royalties or public performance royalties that are due you as a songwriter. So when your music's played on the radio, played on TV shows, even certain streams online, internet radio, there's a public performance royalty due you as a songwriter that is collected by ASCAP or BMI. But when you look at publishing statements, the majority of your songwriting income or royalties uh, come from what's called mechanical royalties. And mechanical royalties is a royalty also due you as a songwriter. And historically, they used to be paid to record companies from digital downloads and CD sales. And then the record companies would account to the publishing companies or the songwriters. But in the streaming era, uh, because it's considered a slightly different type of royalty, the DSPs themselves, like Spotify, Apple Music, and YouTube, pay these directly to publishers. Uh, they don't pay them to the record company. And so to as a songwriter should get paid your mechanical royalties, there's two options. You can register with a mechanical licensing society in the U.S. Uh, and the challenge there is it's still really kind of a gray area whether they're capturing all your international royalties. Um, and it, often there's a delay because getting collected from like Slovakia or Korea can take months, if not a lot of time. The other solution, which I think is the best solution, is to register with what's called the publishing admin service. Uh, A publishing administrator acts as your publisher, but you get to own your publishing. You get to own your compositions. You're not selling your rights. But at least they can go out and say, hey, look, 20,000 sources that pay songwriting royalties globally over the Internet, uh, pay them to this bank account. And by covering all those registrations, a distributor, sound exchange, and a publisher, uh, you typically cover 99% of the royalties that could be collected for you. Hopefully that wasn't too wordy for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the thing that came up for me as you're describing that is just how grateful I am for people like you that you know, have, have learned all this, have you know, created tools. Because I, I think the next question I have would be, you know, for most artists um, who are interested in you know, collecting their royalties, and you know, maybe the idea of going and you know, kind of trying to collect all of these themselves um, might feel a little overwhelming. Um, you know, what would you recommend that they look for in terms of, yeah, I know with you know, what you've created with Good Morning, um, it seems like that's you know, an amazing solution that you know, takes a lot of the complexity around collecting royalties you know, out of the equation. But you know, for artists who are listening to this right now, like is that what you'd recommend for most of them? Is that they work with um, like Good Morning, for example, to collect the royalties? Is there anything that's still missing, like after after they do that, or is it just all in one umbrella? Yeah. So clearly, we're not the only uh, shop on the block, right? Uh, 
And I will say about publishing admin, the re, it's it's a collection service. It's kind of like buying a utility, like cell phone service. What's the difference between A and B and C? I'm not sure. You know, uh, I guess it's really it's just a, about customer service and support, right? And what their fees are, right? So there are other people that do that. Not many distributors do collect publishing admin in addition to their record royalties. So we are one of the few that do that, but there are other folks out there. If you were to register with Good Morning, what you'd have to do as well is register on Sound Exchange to get master performance royalties from internet radio. And you to register with any publishing administrator, you need what's called the IPI number, which is assigned to you by a performing rights organization. I actually helped an artist this week with this. I think ASCAP now, it's free to sign up just as an independent artist. So that's awesome. I think BMI still charges a little bit, maybe 50 bucks or 100 bucks. So if you're broke, like most independent artists, like just sign up with ASCAP if it's free, get that IPI number, and then you can explore what pub admin services are out there and which one you want to work with. Hmm. Okay, awesome. So uh, the other thing that I wanted to pick your brain on was, yeah, I, I know that you have uh, a lot of experience just with overall growth and helping artists grow from you know their initial um, start as an emerging artist to selling gold records, selling millions of uh, of records. And so I would love to hear your perspective. We kind of like zoomed out and looked at the specific period of of growing from, let's say that someone has gotten off the ground and they're starting to gain some some traction what they'd really like to take to the next level you know, and go from like 10,000 monthly listeners to 100,000 or a million monthly listeners um what would you recommend from a strategic uh vantage point to help do that yeah so the biggest driver of stream growth let's just talk about like 10 to 100k right of monthlies and by the way let's not let's not let's remember like streaming is not the end of the day it's not like the end all. It is really just a, uh, a top of funnel of like a marketing funnel that brings people into your world. So mm-hmm. I know we focus so much on streaming for obvious reasons. I just want to remind everyone, like there are artists that crush it live and do nothing on streaming. And that is quite possible. That is definitely a lane like jam bands and other artists can take. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's just look at monthly for simplicity's sake. So the things that I, the biggest driver of growth from, let's just say, ten to hundred k, is your socials. The artists that are figuring out how to build up communities, um, audiences. As once you hit a threshold, they they are converting over to being streaming audiences on on Spotify and Apple Music, uh, and we're seeing it. So. What I always recommend to artists is like look at that artist that is at hundred to three hundred thousand monthlies, and then go look at their socials, see what they're doing. These strategies, if they're using a strategy that's working, copy it. Find a way to put your own personality into it and repeat it. Mm-hmm. Uh, some artists I've seen that I just love what they're doing. We we have an artist called Primrose from uh, New England, and they really leaned into being a emo revival band right and if you go to their tiktok and instagram they basically have all this tongue-in-cheek humor kind of poking fun at the fact of being a garage band and playing with six people and Hmm. they did all these skits around it and they kept repeating it they didn't just do it one time they did the same skit slightly differently 30 times and Hmm. it's this 
continued hitting that the 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 TikTok and Instagram algorithms really liked. So it started showing up in other people's feed when you're not even following that account. Hmm. And people, it was so easy to, to just experience because it was humor. It was like fun rather than like, check out my new song, you know? And, and so they brought people into their world through humor. And then hmm. through that, they had this really engaged community that they were able to drive pre-saves. They would pound for pre-saves for like three weeks before the drop. On their most recent release, Afterworld, they got, I think, up to 3,000 pre-saves on this song. I mean, it's pretty amazing for an independent artist to achieve that metric. And bear in mind, they're still playing on like two, 300 people locally. They're not some massive, massive band. But they were able to leverage that to get to that. And then by getting that number of pre-saves, we could take that and really get a, uh, the attention of editors, uh, Spotify and Apple Music. And on their latest drop, they've gotten a couple great editorial playlists like All New Indie and Fresh Finds Indie. And we can talk about editorial and, and the benefits and what not to expect from editorial. But through this change, we now see them up to like, what are they? They went from, I don't know, 8,000 monthly listeners to... 33,000 in the last few weeks. So they're growing, you know, they'll be at hundred K in the next couple months. Um, other strategies that help uh, dropping regularly for whatever reason, the Spotify algo loves artists that drop monthly or every six to eight weeks, every four to eight weeks. This seems to notify Spotify that you're, you're an active artist. You're, you're releasing music regularly. You also keep growing your followers, and every time your followers grow, you hit that many more people on their release radar when you drop. So rather than drop an album, and that's it, right? Today's era, you got to drop, I'm sure you already talked about this, you drop singles every four to six weeks, so you're having multiple hits on their release radar, uh, and this triggers the algorithm to get your music pulled into all more areas. A growth hack that I've seen work really well is collaborations so if you have friends or you just want to reach out to other artists on social media that you love that are slightly ahead of you let's scenario sake you're at 10 or twenty thousand monthlies target artists at that like 60 to one hundred and twenty thousand monthlies and find someone that obviously fits your lane but you want to do a collaboration with and if you can both do a collaboration where you're both the primary artist that track hits twice as many release radar, or twice as many accounts on their release radar, and it's, it really functions as a nice growth hack. In fact, I would say if an artist did that like four times over eight months, man, you're going to see a massive uplift in your monthlies just from that alone because it just exposes your music to more people, it gets more attention, and, and that in turn gets a positive reaction from the algorithm, which gets your music pulled into more programmatic playlist within the dsps i'm not here to talk about or defend spotify's royalty rates but i will say their discovery mode has proven to be pretty impactful for the artists that opt into it um i think almost almost 100 percent of the time that we've had artists opt into discovery mode on spotify art if you guys don't know what that is it's a program they have for independent artists that can pull your music into more um, internet radio playlists and automated playlists uh, but the trade-off is they take a 30% haircut on your royalty rate per stream. However, 100% of the time that I've seen artists opt in, they end up still earning more money because their streams go up, you know, 100 to 200 to 300 percent 
And so even when you take off that 30% haircut, they're still making more monthly revenue than they were prior to discovery mode. So I think those are some really cool growth hacks from getting to 10 to 100K monthly. Mm. Awesome. I was just going to say, gosh, giving up 30% of my Spotify royalties, that's like <laughs> that's $10, million, $10 well, million a month. <laughs> uh, well, I, I will say this. You, you opt in every month, so you don't have to agree forever. And you opt in on a track-by-track -track basis. Hmm. So in our most recent meeting with Spotify, they, they said that they've seen the biggest impact. If you have a song that's already reacting, like, oh, man, it's happening dump that into discovery mode because it will it will like have a triple effect on more versus other things i mean i was looking at like i can't share my screen right now but i was looking at an artist's uh sfa spotify for artists today and they had a track the listener list was six thousand four hundred percent increase from wow. discovery mode wild so it, it's wild you know and I can, I can yeah. definitely help. Awesome. I mean, some big gold nuggets in there. And we just shared a, a few different things. I mean, the um, collaborations idea, super smart. You know, making sure you have a regular release schedule for, you know, four to eight weeks. Um, and where my mind goes with that, too, is oh. like for all of you who are here live or listening to this or who are part of our, you know, modern musician community, you have such an awesome resource to be able to reach out to each other and collaborate and do exactly what Rory's mentioning mm. right now in terms of, we started to see it with some of our team. It's really started to like uh, co-write together and release songs and, and videos. But man, um, there's just some really cool opportunity there. Um, so we, we have a channel called Collaborations. Uh, it's one of the most active channels that we have here. But um, I would totally encourage anyone who's here live to take advantage of that and introduce yourself and start you know, connecting with other artists. Um, or if you're listening to this anywhere and you're not in the live audience, then um, if you click on the link to join our free community, then you can get access to a community of over 110,000 indie musicians who are probably a lot like you. And at least you're quite a few of them um, would be great um, collaborators for you to be able to implement what, what Roy is describing right now. One, one question, I would say like the last question I want to ask is you mentioned how uh, Spotify, you know, for obvious reasons, it's something that we focus on a lot. And it's, the, on the surface, it's very easy to see. It's easy to judge uh, someone's music or career by that that stat. So it seems like there's a, a lot of energy that kind of goes towards you know how many monthly listeners do we have. Uh, but Spotify alone for most artists isn't really paying um, the bills, or really is isn't yep. really what's you know generating um, the traction in the actual music business and, and the fan base. So I'd love to hear um, your recommendations for. Let's say that someone you know, implements those uh, strategies that you walk through and they see some substantial growth. They start seeing some traction in terms of they're at you know, 40 or 50,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. Um, what do you recommend that they do to start really maximizing the value of those new listeners and the fans that they have and um, turn it into more of a community and, and actually mm -hmm. start making some like revenue that's non-streaming related? Yeah. So... This is going to sound so boring, but it's so powerful. Emails. Mm. Like, it's just, it's still so powerful. Like, you could build up 100,000 followers on IG or TikTok, but they changed the algo and you thought you were reaching 20% of them every time you post, and now you're only reaching 
you just don't know. Like they'll change it up every, I don't know how often they change it, but from time to time. Or I think about the artists that had 2 million likes on Facebook and I'm like, oh man, <laughs> what, what do you do with that today? I don't know. Mm. Um, yep. Maybe maybe it still works. I don't know who's on Facebook today, but uh, I mean yeah, I it's good for paid right. paid media, but yeah, I mean for like organic stuff, not not so much. I'm not sure. Yeah, so so yeah, I definitely would say look, start running contests on social, doing things to drive your email capture. Mm. Um, any everything you do, like on your link tree, on your website, on yeah, like I, I like contests on social, like giveaways to drive mm. email capture. Because then you're just building up your your list, right? If you know uh, their name, their email, maybe their zip code, you start starting to build up this real powerful list that you can retarget whenever you want, however you want. Clearly, the next step, if you haven't already, is starting to play live. So clearly playing locally where you are, as well as in your regional markets. So let's say you're based in Kansas City, where I went to high school. You know, in addition to playing Kansas City, you might want to look at playing Omaha, Chicago, St. Louis, Oklahoma City, Wichita, and just start doing regional performances and building up that audience. Uh, if you've never played those markets before, a great solution is to do a show trade. Find a similar like-minded artist at a similar level uh, where let's say you draw 100 kids locally, 100 tickets, you can sell 50 to 100 tickets locally. Find an artist at the same level in a market close to you and do a show trade where you play together in their market one month and you guys play together in your market in the next month. Um, that can be a great way to start building up those live performance audiences in those regional markets. Uh, and then through your email list, you want to continue to build that up, engage them, make sure that they feel super loved, super attentioned, giving them a lot of attention uh, because those are the ones that end up turning into super fans. So beyond turning, I always like to think of streaming as like your top of your marketing funnel, right? So let's say you have the joy of getting to 300, 400,000 monthly listeners. Typically, that means your revenue starts getting into three, five, six, seven K a month, which is great. And then turning those people into what I call happy paying fans, right? So uh, not only just merchandise like tickets and like t-shirts and hoodies, but think of limited edition high-end items too, right? So if you've got a merch store where you're selling like a few t-shirts and a few hoodies, come up with something really cool, like a, I don't know, a custom branded uh, guitar or, you know, something really unique and special and just offer it for like a thousand bucks. Like chances are you're going to have a fan that loves art so much and just loves the idea of being a benefactor of an artist. And I'm always reminded of a band from Oklahoma, Flaming Lips. The Flaming Lips sold a, a crystal skull with a USB drive in the mouth of it for $5,000. And I had a limited edition album that no one else could hear any other way. But they sold 10 of these things. Uh, you can start to explore also on the Web3 side of things. So, uh, we don't need to get into that right now. It's a whole other conversation. But there are people doing some interesting one-of-a-kind digital experiences where uh, if someone owned this this token that was a digital item, it would get you a free ticket to a concert for the rest of your life, right, to a band or things like that that could be a great way to empower and incentivize super fans. Having 100,000 emails, that's a big number I'm aware, 
is probably more powerful than having a million monthly listeners because uh, mm-hmm. you can repeat and continue to repeat and hit them with all sorts of things, be it tour dates, merchandise, limited edition experiences too. Like uh, once your audience starts to get built up, you could do the traditional like VIP experience before a show, but you could do even something really, really special and just dream it up, you know, like come with me to Napa for a weekend, right? 10 grand all in type thing. Um, you know, whatever fits your brand as an artist, like these experiences are what people people want. Music's still the most powerful thing in the world. So people do pretty um, illogical things with their money when they when it's tied to music they love. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. I mean, dude, you're speaking my language and, and like like t- about six or seven of the things that you just mentioned are things that we like, you know, anyone who's here live right now knows like we're just like going, going, uh, like iterating on a ton. Um, and it's great to, yeah, to hear, um, that reflected as well in terms of the importance of direct communication with your fans through like email and through text message. Um, we have a a platform called street team that we built. That's a software platform that, uh, like a CRM platform to, for artists to connect with, with their fans. Nice. And um, the idea of having like higher end experiences, you know, we call those the diamond offers, but, you know, things like um, private retreats or uh, custom mm-hmm. songs uh, is something that we've also found, you know, artists having great success with. And it's just like great value to, to their fans. So, yeah, some some uh, big gold nuggets in there. I would love to open the floor to our audience that's here live. Uh, I'm sure that we have some uh, good questions that you guys might be curious about asking uh, Rory. Uh, Vaz also raised his hand, so we can bring on uh, Vaz in the meantime. Uh, thank you, Rory, for being here today. But what I would like to know a little bit more is um, uh, th- what I'd like to do, if you don't mind, is give us a little... I went on the website while you were talking and uh, was trying to look up a little bit about um, Good Morning Music. Um, uh, uh, you are a music administrator, from what I understand. Uh, and um, so I, uh, if you would give us a little little more insight into that, if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah, Good Morning Music, we think of ourselves as an all-in-one solution. So at our core, we do do distribution, but we also do publishing admin because one of the biggest problems we've seen is that artists just forget to register their music. Uh, And sometimes when they register their songs for publishing, even several years after their music's been out, like big checks roll in that first couple quarters because it's kind of catching up for the last previous years of royalties they haven't collected. So if you can distribute your recording and then register your composition for publishing right away, it just gets done. So you don't have to like worry about it or try to do it another time. Uh, so that's what we do at our core. And then we have a layer of promotional and marketing features, including uh, editorial playlist pitching. Uh, we have a great track record of being able to get editors' attention. Uh, film and TV music placement. Again, we have a long list of songs we've helped place and film and television shows, video games and advertisements. Uh, and then just uh, you, you can opt in to, to spot, for, for Spotify discovery mode in our dashboard. You can synchronize your lyrics everywhere through our service. You can distribute music videos to Vivo. You can get a YouTube official artist channel. Uh, we try to be as much of an all-in-one service as we can be for uh, independent artists. Mm. Awesome. 
what I love about everything you just mentioned is just how um, complementary it is. To, like, like with Street Team, we don't do any of the distribution. We don't do any of the royalty collection. Like, it's kind of a big yeah. gap in terms of um, you know, our, our offering. So I wonder... You guys don't happen to have like a API that we could potentially uh, build something into like Street Team, do you? Where we could actually like, help artists distribute their music through Man. your platform. So there is an API in our back end. Uh, what we can do with it is kind of challenging. We've had some people ask us, oh, can we like build a tool on top of your API? And with music rights, it gets a little hairy, right? Because you know, you're, one of the biggest challenges as distributors we face is trying to prevent fraud. So um, a lot of international uh, bad actors will try to upload music, either that's infringing on copyrights or um, they're trying to stream farm. Um, yeah. They used to stream farm Spotify on Spotify. Especially- they, sorry to cut you off there. If I remember right, right, Spotify recently like put all the responsibility on like distributors now too, oh, right? Sure. Where they're like, yeah. 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 So that's, that's forced us to kind of even change our model a bit. So we used to have a free model, but we actually got rid of it entirely because if you have to pay even like three bucks a month to like access a distributor, it it weeds out a lot of bad actors um, Mm. because they just don't want to mess with it. Right. Mm. So with that being said, it's hard for us to like fully open up our API to like the world because we could just get a huge amount of, these people spend all day like finding distributors that they can essentially attack in a way and like upload like tons of content from 50 different accounts, just trying to get a few through the barriers, hoping that Mm -hmm. they can stream farm and get paid all this money in two, three months. But Mm -hmm. uh, the Spotify stream farming game is over kind of like it's so catchable by Spotify. They'll take, they'll penalize you right away and they just won't pay you anything. But now they're trying TikTok. Uh, granted, we all know the TikTok royalties are like pennies. I think I had like 16 million streams on TikTok and it paid me like 150 bucks or something stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, but people are, I guess, able to create hundreds of millions of streams, fake streams, streams I call them, on TikTok, trying to get royalties that way. <laughs> uh, I, it's, I don't think it's going to work, but you know, like I can't stop every bad actor in the world trying to be a bad actor. So I have a long-winded answer. Um, but Michael, I think there's definitely something we could figure out where it be at least a, like some sort of referral program where we can give everyone a, a discounted rate um, mm. and something like that. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Or send people to, to street team because we're not building that tool. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a huge amount of uh, opportunity for a, a collaboration just in terms of our, you know, our artists right now need distribution and, you know, there's, there's a few different options like, you know, DistroKid, TuneCore, CD Baby, et cetera. Um, but I would love to build a partnership with a distributor that, um, yeah. I know personally and that, you know, has a good route. So I, I think there's definitely something to explore there. Yeah, we'd love that. Um, we have a couple sort of referral partnerships with a few other folks doing what you guys are doing, not as big as you guys, but we give them like a special unique code. So we know everyone that gets referred and we know we get them a special rate and, you know, we can find other ways to provide even more value than maybe our traditional, just what we call pro member users. Hmm. Awesome. 
Cool. Hey, Rory, it's been great uh, meeting you and connecting with you today. Thank you for your sharing some of your experience from, you know, the from middle school till till now. And, you know, the the fact that you, you came to a realization early on that you know, maybe you didn't want to be creating the music, but that you still um, were able to support, you know, other musicians and be a part of it is something that is hugely appreciated. Yeah, I think the, the music industry needs a little help that they can have. So. I appreciate you. And for anyone who is um, here listening or watching this right now, who's interested in connecting more or learning more about Good Morning, what do you recommend that they go to check it out? Yeah, they can go to our website, goodmorningmusic.com. Uh, also, just email me. I'm just Rory, R-O-R-Y, at goodmorningmusic.com. I'll hit you with my calendar link. Happy to schedule a meeting with anyone interested to get sort of the rundown on our service. That's pretty much what I do every day right now. That is we have amazing. a whole team here for support. I mean, one of the big issues with a lot of the bigger distributors, or I should say bigger self-release distributors, th their support we always hear is like, oh, I can't get a hold of someone to fix this. In this digital world we live in, metadata, there's always a tweak that's needed. So just having wh whoever you work with for distribution, having someone you can talk to is really helpful. Mm. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, like always, we'll put the links in the show notes for easy access. And let's go ahead and let's give a round of applause to Rory. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then that'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.